Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which is a great movie also, one of his earliest, but <laughs> just before, you're just nodding like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I the Books and Bumrolls podcast. I'm Paulette. I'm Juliette. You never take any notes anyway. I don't know why. Lazy ass? That's the answer. What do you mean lazy ass? You don't like taking notes. I'm a note taker, me. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't do much for you, does it? Doesn't it doesn't do any good. <laughs> okay, so for today we didn't take, I wouldn't take any notes because I was so absorbed yeah, by the movie. It was so good. Yeah, it was taken. Absolutely. It was I've seen it, beautiful. Uh, this I've seen it at least twice before. Oh. Yeah. No, I've only seen it once and it was a long time ago, but I remembered. Well, you remembered one yeah. scene. No, when I oh. was, while I was watching it, yeah. everything kind of came back. Okay, it, it so people, what are we talking about? We're talking about the adaptation made by uh, Martin Scorsese of uh, The Age of Innocence. We read the book last week, so it's still fresh in our minds. Oh, yeah. Did you expect more than this are you disappointed in some somehow i don't know no it was absolutely perfect oh really yeah I as wasn't... you envision things from the book i think my f- the faint memories i had of the movie were mixed already in already mixed in in the book and ingrained in me so archer that, was already to yeah, you it was only daniel delos and okay. no one else and he was so perfect you know it kind of was to me too it became archer became daniel De- yeah. like it wasn't um now, when it came to when I was reading the book, I was imagining another Madame Olenska because she was described different. Yeah, she was, but this one plays it so well. Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer plays it so perfectly. Mm. She has that note of mystery of we don't really understand her, and she, she you understand the second you see her, yeah. you understand the fascination with her. Yeah, she's you're so, so alive. Bad. Yeah, she's so fascinating. She is, especially compared to May, just beside her. Even though May is beautiful, she's gorgeous. But she's a doll. She's exactly. She's a doll. That's it. That's her. She has a sincerity to her, May. But Madame Olenska has this weird, abrupt frankness. Yeah. She says things, and they seem to come out of nowhere. And only an original mind could come up with something like that, like surprise you. And he sometimes would seem surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By what she would say. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. I just keep thinking she's alive. Like Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) (laughs) No, she is. No, she, she has... You feel she had a life. She had experiences. She grew in her mind somehow. I don't know exactly how. But compared to the maze of that word... But the one thing yeah. that is unfair to May. May is, is early 20s, she's 20, and Madame Lenska in the book is early 30s. But you know for sure that mm. May in her early 30s would be no different than May from her early 20s. No, she'll just be mo- a mother. You know, exactly. More motherly, maybe. That's all. More established, wearing different colors. And this is it. Maybe heavier. <laughs> maybe heavier, right. And it's kind of sad, because they made them like that. They manufactured these girls like that. To not even have the desire for something else. And Madame Oleska has been raised in such a different way that you understand. You understand how she shines in that word. The way she was shot also, Michelle Pfeiffer, in this, she mm. was luminous. Exactly. Always with lights coming out behind her, so she had kind of that halo. That halo, yeah. exactly. So what did you think of the choice of uh, Scorsese? 
fantasy of making her blonde instead of what was in the book. She was the brunette and May yeah. was the blonde. I would have protested had it been any other actress, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Because she, they absolutely embody everything that is described. May doesn't need the blondness, the virginal Mary look to embody that innocence. Because um, Winona, Ryder. Winona Ryder, sorry. Winona Ryder has that innocent doll-like, which is very surprising because in other movies she's completely evil sometimes. Oh, she's a great actress. She's amazing. And in this, she was absolutely, she embodied that innocent, kind of uh, plain surface, like lake like without depth. Yeah. Nothing. But it's it's perfect. It's she starting is to that. sound like Archer now. Oh, Lord in heaven. <laughs> Poor May. Lake Poor without May. depth. Well, she she's is. She's a human being. That's the thing, you she's know what? She's a fictional character, but she's, still. But still. You know what? No, she she's not only fictional. She has things that make her a human. Oh, that is uh, the work of a great writer. Exactly. We talked about that. Yeah. But now talking about the work of a director, I think he did a great job. Uh, well, mm. first of all, the cast is the first successful step in the making of, of yeah. this movie because it is What do you think of New Orleans? I loved well, first of all, Daniel Day-Lewis is like... Kind of <laughs> no more said. <laughs> exactly. And uh, when you take a character like Newland Archer, I think it's difficult to not make him look ridiculous. Because in so many situations, he acts such a fool. Mm-mm-mm. And, you know, the overly romantic thing, like, um, you know, the, when he touches her hand and when he kisses her feet and when he... Yeah. Uh, and when he cry, almost cries almost. for no not only once, <laughs> not openly cries, <laughs> openly cries many times with Sultan Jackson weeps, <laughs> weeps in front of Sultan Jackson. What do you expect? Yeah, you know, it's gonna be the talk of the town, of course. Of course, you were he had weeping tears in his eyes. <laughs> so it's, uh, but he played him with such feeling. So we understand the uh, the character. I think that was intended from the author, which was he's a hopeless romantic. I think so, yeah. That's what's wrong with his ass. What did you tell me when we were watching? That scene with Madame Olenska, I don't know which one exactly. I forgot. You told yeah. me it's like he's seen the sun. Oh, in yeah. the opera and the, yes. there was this aura, the light behind, yeah, her, behind her. Because uh, the filmmaking of Scorsese in this film, well, in many of his films, is such... It's so bold. He really goes for it. Yeah. He goes for uh, new stuff that may frighten people. I mean, they may not like it. it. A lot of things were surprising, like the kind of tightening. I don't know how to call it. Like uh, when the they... iris. Oh, uh, yeah. black around the edges. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, used in old movies, so it's kind of an homage to old movies, so German expressionism, oh. which they used to do it, and it was uh, really. Because they didn't have, um, they were limited, you know, in their camera work. They couldn't, they didn't do a lot of montage. They would do long shots and they would be, a lot of time they would be still, you know, they wouldn't do a lot of tracking shots and stuff Mm. like that. It was a dynamic filmmaking with what they had. So they would do these dramatic things. Yeah. Today they would be kind of uh, kitsch. Exactly. But in here? In here. And the the fade to color. Not fade to black or no, fade to red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very bold choice. I loved it though. Some things are very bold and kind of kitsch, like you said, in some other hands, let's say. Yeah. Less masterful than Scorsese, but this is, this was absolutely perfect. I oh, loved yeah. it. It gave it such an ambiance, such an oppressive ambiance sometimes, with no, no reason. You don't understand, this is a nice dinner, a nice talk with his nice, nicely pregnant wife, yeah. and you feel like you can't breathe. But he gave it that, thing. uh... That is the work of uh, someone yeah. that cannot say things openly, although he did use voiceover, 
with the narration of a woman, Mm-mm. which I suppose must be Edith Wharton herself, because there is no other. Okay, so I saw a little, a small interview talking about the narration, and they asked him about why a woman. Mm-hmm. He said that he couldn't imagine anything else, because the work was the work, clearly the work of a woman, and it was written by the woman, by a woman, so it must have been. Oh, right. Of course, because we do have uh, Newland's voice in there. Mm. But there is, as I said, uh, reading the book, remember I yeah, told yeah, you yeah. it was from the point of view of uh, Archer, but you said, no, there is another point of view, exactly. which is not his, which kind of distances itself from mm. uh, Archer's views. That is aware of Archer's and his inner thoughts and his faults. And his ridicules, yeah. exactly. What else? <laughs> Can they, are you able to breathe? Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't eat that much. Yeah, of course. We ate exactly the same things. No. I ate half. half <sighs> My lord. <laughs> I sorry. I uh, I think he didn't get the chance to, but I did see the whole interview uh, of Scorsese with Charlie Rose, and mm. it was such a great interview. He didn't get uh, he didn't talk only about the Age of Innocence, but it was the interview was about uh, I guess a promotion for uh, at the mm. time in 1993 yeah. for the Age of Innocence. Did you know that it was a flop uh, at really? the box office? Yeah, it was completely unsuccessful financially. It was completely unsuccessful. People did not like. It. I don't understand. I, I, really I don't honestly get it. don't. Yeah. Well, you know, different. Fashion, I guess. I couldn't. I wouldn't say it's old-fashioned. You, you can see it surface level old-fashioned, mm. but the atmosphere is so beautiful. And when you understand the depth of the story mm. and of the characters, you can't say it's old-fashioned. It's a human story. It's eternal. Definitely. Yeah. But if you didn't read the book, would you see mm. it as something that is not? You said the depth of the story. Yeah. Would you, because you know the depth, but would you know it just from the movie? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't honestly say yes. I would. Because I love the movie and I love the book. I can't honestly say because I already know. So, sort of uh, hindsight. Would oh, you? I think I would, yeah. Because I think all of the hints that were in the book are but, in the movie. You yeah. didn't leave out anything. But the thing is, when you were reading the book, before the dinner scene, mm. we didn't know anything. Oh, no. We I... didn't realize. Oh, no, yeah. It was subtle. It but, was, but it was there. But did you absolutely know for sure? I didn't. I think first thing I started to feel... No, to be sure. Oh, that May knew is when she was uh, the Patton thing when he was uh, talking oh, about yeah, going yeah, to yeah. Washington and yeah. she was oh didn't you say it was and that but that was a few days before the dinner so really late but when we were watching the movie it was so much earlier when they were even engaged and you see how people talk to him I think hindsight gave us like yeah. oh my how did I not see that yeah everybody knew and he was such a fool that he was conspicuous yeah from the start mm. another thing that was from the start it seems to me and I told you this last week it seems to me yeah. that she was flirting from the first second she met him. Okay. What do you think? Seeing an actress play it. Absolutely. You were right. But still, we don't agree on one thing. Uh, rather, it's not that we don't agree. There is one thing I don't understand. I don't understand her reasons. I think she's she does seem flirtatious. It seems ingrained in her, this kind of acting. But I don't think she had a plan. And then, I'm not sure yet, because in some other moments... It does seem like she had a plan for Archer to marry him. Why do you think that? When she mentions the divorce, and then when uh, before, just before the telegram of May. Oh, before him getting married. Before him getting married, she said, "You stopped us from being together. You stopped me from getting a divorce." So I kind of thought, I'm not sure that maybe she had because the... she thinks the hindrance was 
her being married and mm. not him being engaged. Exactly. As if him being engaged could have been broken off. Which, it's true. It could have been. It could have been, but still would have been... They would have to move. They would have to move. She couldn't stay yeah. like after having stolen her cousin's husband, future husband. Like, I it think was. so, they yeah. Were, it's not like it was... Uh, it didn't seem that uh, May and Archer were recently introduced. It seemed that it was a long... Mm. Oh, no. Didn't uh, it seem May like that? did say... When she was uh, giving him the way out and the coward didn't take it. Yeah. She did say two years ago. So it was two years ago when they were promised, she called it. So there it. is promised and then there is engaged. Mm. And the engaged is supposed to be two years. Yeah. The, what do you think of that? It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. You don't think people s- should take time to know each other for that long? Before yeah, getting married? I know. I know. That sounds <laughs> sound completely wrong. The thing uh, is, if you take this step to be engaged... I assume you already knew each other enough. Yeah, the promise thing. Yeah, the promise thing. So the promise is like, let's say, modern day dating dating. or living together. No, hell no. No, (laughs) living together. (laughs) Living together is being married. Yeah. No, let's say in knowing each other and getting to know each other. Mm. Because what's the difference in the end between being engaged and promised? Because I suppose there's nothing official. You could just break it off. Engaged too, if you base it on May's uh, words. What she was saying. That what she it was saying that been... it wouldn't have been a di- that it wouldn't be bad to break it off now. There is nothing official. She said it, even though they in- announced the engagement. There was still easy way out for everybody. I don't think easy, but doable. Yeah. Very do- respectable. Let's say that's Not what they. Uh, that's what they value. Not. Uh, what do, what's that word they use a lot and that Ellen absolutely hates? Unpleasant. Unpleasant, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have been unpleasant. I don't like that. Yeah, you avoid unpleasantness as much as possible. Life isn't pleasant, bitch. Your own body isn't pleasant. Mm. So, take it. Uh, you know, in the book, there was the parallel of Newland seeing May's mother and her behavior towards her own husband mm. and seeing the future of himself and May kind of thing. Yeah. I don't... I don't understand the choice of taking... It seems that May didn't have a father in this. They c- never saw completely, him. Not even the mother. Not very present at all. The mother was yeah. in a few scenes, but she did have a mother, obviously, because she was talking about, you must convince ma- a mother. You, yeah. Uh, so there was the authority of mother, but the why doesn't she have a father? Absent. I don't know. I don't know. They took a lot of people out, but maybe it's the constraint of the movie. No, I get that. Like, taking out the importance of... Uh, since Larry Lefferts is a, a character mm. that you can't take out because his <laughs> Tom gossip is Larry. <laughs> he has such a mean face while he was gossiping. Yeah, with the kind of taking the... Uh, what do they call them? Opera glasses? Yeah, no, the not opera... the opera glasses. I don't know. The, the spy glasses, I'm calling them. Glasses. <laughs> yeah. He was scanning that room. Oh, Lord in heaven. And so fast, so efficiently. You can't the way it, it was cut together, the way he was doing it, yeah. it seemed like professional at work. I know. Maybe he was. Maybe, well, of course he was. What does he do anyway? I don't know. He's just Larry, I think. <laughs> I wanted to talk about, uh, at the beginning, I saw a difference in the behavior of Newland Archer. Mm-hmm. I think in the book he was much harsher with uh, Ellen when he meets her at the opera. First meeting ever. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. When she talks about uh, him and her flirting as a woman yeah. tried to kiss her, when she remembered the, all the people at the opera in pan- pantalets or something like that, yeah. like in, in pants, in their pants, <laughs> in the book he took it the wrong way. He didn't like that. Yeah, she because she showed her oddness so much. 
while he was coming here, sacrificing his nice moment with, with May for her, and she did, she seemed so oblivious, and he hated that, I think. I think it's a logical... Absolutely. In the movie, he, he started laughing, he was smitten from... He was smitten. The way he was behaving, it was like a smitten teenager. He was laughing in such a way, never seen him laughing. Yeah. He has such a stern face with his family and with uh, mm. his supposed friends. I mean, yeah. don't think he has friends, but... But again, the way I think the way it was shot, like you said, and the actress, you understand. You understand being smitten with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> At the start of the movie, there's something else I really liked. It was the ball scene, the first ball where they announce uh, May and Newland's engagement. It was that dance scene. Which wasn't didn't seem like dancing at all. Mm. It seemed like a military march more rather than anything. Probably but, not a real dance. I don't think so. I wouldn't know. I don't. I know nothing about the, that time's dances. But it looked like a military march. Yeah. I liked it because it was so orderly. And then right after, we're shown I think the vestibule when they are show, which was beautiful by the way. Yeah. The shots around the Beaufort's house. They show us a table with ranks and ranks of gloves. Yeah. With each their card, the cards of the owner on top of it. And all those, these scenes were at perfectly arranged ranks, which you wouldn't think would happen at a party with people arriving and, I don't know, taking up their gloves. Yeah, but with servants. You yeah, with many anything. servants. Exactly, that's the thing. I, I thought it was something very telling about the way the society works. So neatly arranged, everything so well in its place, in nearly military order, that the smallest thing, the smallest scandal or, or unpleasantness, makes people really, really disturbed. It was said that the uh, this world were so, as you say, orderly that a whisper would disrupt it. And the thing is, men like Newland would know this. Yeah. Would know that a hint of scandal. Why? What? His instincts were so sure that he knew to announce his uh, engagement. This is uh, something obscure. You wouldn't know if he didn't belong. Exactly. But he belongs very well. Even belongs. though he likes to think he doesn't. Yeah, I think privately, as they said... Privately, uh, it was also included in, in the narration. I think a lot of people don't like narration in movies, but in this, it added so much. It added yeah. this uh, distant voice that we need because we cannot only have Newland's view of things. They're very biased. Uh, I mean, Newland's view. Newland's thoughts, yeah. Newland's thoughts are uh, contradictory, so you wouldn't know what's happening. The way he thinks of himself and the way he really is are two different things. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about the gloves at the entrance. Did you notice that they were not only a pair of gloves for every gentleman? Really? Yeah, more. So they would bring, apparently they would bring many pairs of gloves because you had to change your gloves after each dance partner. Wow, that yeah. is very... Why? Odd, I don't know. I mean, like, sanitation? Dancing, I don't know, yeah. You're so disgusting, I can't touch my next partner with a hint. Yeah, it was a detail added in the uh, movie. And apparently, um, Scorsese, of course, has a research assistant who he worked with on this movie for a long time and they would have meetings and he said on this uh, Charlie Rose interview that I saw something that I found strange but it must be true because he said it <laughs> the director himself yeah that they tracked down the people that inspired the characters from the book and they visited their houses I'm, I'm sure it was not all of them but yeah. they visited the houses and they saw paintings and they made paintings by the dozens oh my lord oh yeah they painted, like, because you see, like, um, Louisa van der Leiden's portrait yeah. above her, and I guess uh, Archer's mother, or maybe his grandmother, I don't know, portraits, yeah. and you see the likeness, Regina Beaufort, her likeness. But he did say that he visited houses of the real people. The thing that I found 
dubious a bit is that we don't know who inspired I mean we know for some of them who inspired the characters of uh, Edith Wharton some of her members of her own family yeah. like Mrs. Man- Manson Mingott yeah. I think yeah. was inspired by her her own aunt but I don't How think you could track down all of them because he did say that he visited houses I guess maybe he, maybe they meant like people of that circle maybe all the houses maybe I did hear that there was that there was a real man that was the real Silton Jackson oh yeah that was the gossip yeah, yeah, yeah. column of New yeah. York and he was known. But uh, I don't think he, you could track down all of them. So anyway, just to say that the research did. was very impressive. Steps of the food and the food plates. I loved it. It was so beautifully arranged. And the flowers, too. The flowers, I understand. It wasn't the book. Uh, flowers were very important in the language. Who offered them to who. Yeah. But the food, I found that, found that but interesting. Edith Wharton did talk about food. Did she? Oh, yeah. Like the dinners at Mrs. Uh, Archer. Oh. The, yeah, the bad food at Mrs. Archer's. Yeah. And the dreadful sauce. <laughs> the dreadful food at uh, Mrs. Archer. Uh, and uh, Mrs. Mingott, who was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was stingy. She didn't like to spend a lot. So her dinners were not great. And her wines were dreadful. And the good food at Beaufort. Now mm. that one knew how to spend. So she did talk. I yeah, don't true. think she detailed as much. But I don't think it was only the food. There was an emphasis on the food. I agree with that. The receptions, rather. The dinners. Not only that. I think uh, they were details. Like you would see the jewels. And you would see the lilies on uh, May's lap. And yeah. you would see the ring on Countess Olenska's finger. Yeah. And you would see the cutting of the cigar very close. Yeah. I think this is, uh, yeah, this is like what a beautiful movie, well mm-hmm. made, would look like. Because, you know, when they're starting, uh, when there's the cutting of the cigar and there's just Newland and Silverton Jackson in the library. Yeah. And they're having the cigar and, and talking and gossiping. Just gossiping. Yeah. It gives it uh, an air of a conspiracy. Which is, they're not talking about anything important. Yeah, just true. Gossiping. But yeah, but the way it's done like that, cutting the cigar, the way it's yeah. edited, like it's really fast, and they go from the cigar to the. You know what? Yeah. You'd think he'd be in a gangster movie. Yeah. Which Scarcey does. Yeah. So many people talk about the Age of Innocence as if it were an oddity in his uh, series of films. I don't think so. It's not an oddity. I don't. I mean, yeah. it is in the sense of uh, what he did. <laughs> Up until then, although he didn't, he was just known for uh, gangster mm. movies. But he did, um, he did a musical. He did what's the one with um, with Ellen Burstyn? What's um, Alice doesn't live here anymore, which is a great movie, also one of his earliest. But <laughs> just before, he just nodding like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I no, thought no, about that's... Sixpence again. No, not a lot. <laughs> Sixpence. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a real movie, this one. Why? But yeah, it's kind of not a very known, I guess, it's not as known as Goodfellas or stuff. But just before, uh, I think, just before uh, The Age of Innocence, he's made, he had made um, Cape Fear. Uh, <laughs> you don't know that one either. What the hell? Okay, guilty as charged, what I'll can I say? whip you if you say that you You've don't know. You've been doing that for years already. <laughs> Are you I gonna hear you, don't you realize? That's why I nod politely and I don't look in your eyes. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. I'll you don't watch know. it. I don't. 
How about Goodfellas? I do. Oh, that's thank I do. you. Okay. <laughs> All right. In that interview with Charlie Rose that I keep referring to, actually, you could go, do, uh, go oh, watch it. Oh, now I can watch it because I didn't dare. I no, didn't no, want there's to. no spoilers because it yeah. was promotion movie, uh, promotion thing, so uh, he didn't spoil anything. But he did talk about his vision and uh, and he talked something, uh, a phrase that I really liked because he said that uh, he's known for kind of violent gangster movies. I saw that in something else. Oh. Yeah, I saw another what? analysis. I'm sorry, interrupt. You. I was excited about that too. Yeah. I, in another analysis, and I cut it short because I felt it was gonna spoil me the experience. Oh. Uh, he said something about it being one of his most violent movies. Yeah. And yeah. he called it refined violence. Oh yeah, exactly. Because it was slaughter what they did. Definitely. Oh. And I think he added to it even. Yeah. With he, the uh, the lighting and the atmosphere and that shot dramatic. of May. Oh yeah, that last shot was masterful. So we're because... talking about the shots, yeah. the shot when she's announcing, well, she's making him know yeah. Yeah. that she's pregnant and he can't go mm. anywhere, and uh, Alan is uh, gone now. Yeah, and he cannot chase after her anymore. She's wearing that purple dress and mm. sitting calmly as a lady does, and she says very gently, "Oh, I think he can't go, Newland, because I don't think the doctor would let me go." And then they shot it. How did they do that? Like, what was that? It's just a, uh, so when she gets up. Yeah. So we have a shot, kind of her bum. Yeah. You know, we have three shots. So we have her bum, and then we have her bust, and then we have Newland's reaction, and then we go back yeah. to her whole body getting up. There was the her hands. The, I loved the move in her hands because it was like very decided. Okay, gonna make me do that. I'm gonna do that very well. I'm gonna yeah. show you. I loved it. Like it was. I don't know. It was a decided uh, sort of press of the hand on her lap. Sort of a decisive, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Loved it. Majestic. Exactly. Because she got up in a kind of unnatural way. Because as yeah. I am like an old lady, I couldn't get up. <laughs> I couldn't get up without helping myself. Yeah, to hold on to something I mean, and make noises at the same time. <laughs> did I tell you that last time? Did I tell you about the towel? No, you didn't tell me about the towel. What's <laughs> the story? I got out of the shower and I wrapped a towel around myself and I, and I made a noise. And I knew I was old. <laughs> <laughs> Just while wrapping it? Yeah, it was last month. Yeah? I was officially old last month, didn't I tell you? Oh, I called I mom. Oh, man. I told her of today I'm officially. Yes, of course, you have to announce it. Today I'm official because I did that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dad noise. Kind of a dad noise. Yeah. I, like with a towel. Uh. <laughs> this is it. Or... This, and when you get out of bed, yeah. you sort of start up on your knees and hands, and then you can... You, you know, it's the start of the end. No, May got up in such a majestic way, Oh yeah. without moving her hands, because she had her hands crossed on her lap, mm -hmm. in a very queenly way, exactly. and she got up like that, and the way it was shot kind of in, in slow motion, I don't think it was in slow motion, just the way it was cut, yeah. it was cut so... It seemed like she really took her time getting up. Mm -mm -mm. And as you say, it was le coup de grâce exactly. of uh, Newland. Like, little bitch, you're not listening to me. I'm gonna spell it for you. <laughs> yeah, because last time, their last conversation was, I want to tell you something about myself. And she interrupted him and told him, what's the use of talking about that? Yeah, let's now not talk about Ellen. It's done. Now that it's all over. What does he do? He brings it up again. And she said, mm -hmm. and like, I want to talk to you about something. Oh, that thing about yourself? Like, remember, <laughs> I gave you a warning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I liked the paradox because it was shot as if he had the power. He was above her. Yeah. And she was kneeling down. Yeah. 
So just the imagery, he's the powerful one. But he was ter- he was terrified out of his yeah. wits. He was sweating a bit. He was sweating a bit. Uh, his eyes were wet. <laughs> it was a bit. <laughs> I had when she stands and she goes to him kind of slowly, yeah. but not really. It was an image of an executioner and the and the prisoner. Yeah. And she he was gonna get his head chopped off. And or in this case, his dick chopped off. It was uh, his dick chopped off. Oh, yeah. Because the idea is, like, you cannot take the reins. No. Meaning you cannot lead the marriage, you don't know how. In that time, in that society, women took power where they could take it. I think that's why marriage was so very important. To it was women. not only a status thing, mm. but it was security and power. And this is it. They have the reins in this society, in that kind of... In the social way. Oh, definitely. And mm. and not only by marriage, let's say a woman like uh, Regina Beaufort, who uh, goes then to her aunt. Th- is she her aunt? What is she to her? Catherine Mingott. Catherine Mingott, uh-huh. what is she to her? I think her aunt. I think so, but not really, because they're so intermingled. Anyway, she, calls, uh, she says to her that my name is Regina Dallas. Yeah. And Catherine Mingott says, you were Regina Beaufort when uh, he covered you in jewels, and you are Regina Beaufort when he covers you in shame. Oh, that was so... <laughs> yeah, I like that. But the idea is also that uh, women also pay for their husband's uh, mistakes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's not only... It is, you know, the idea of uh, in good times and bad times. Especially if you make such a risque choice as Beaufort. Right. It wasn't a conventional choice. A conventional choice is Newland Archer. Beaufort is risk. So someone like May Welland was making a safe choice. Yeah. A short choice. A very short choice. And so was he before he started getting ideas. <laughs> <laughs> In this movie you see it even more. The dreamer side... The cowardly side, because mm. he was, especially in that scene when May gives him a way out, just before the engagement when he go to, goes to see her, and she gives him a way out. If you have someone, and she nearly spells it out for him twice, if you she have says, someone... Oh, even if it means her getting a divorce. Exactly. This, how can she be more clear? And I was like, no, no, what do you want exactly? Here it is. And that's when I think you are completely right in calling him an absolute dreamer. And such an indecisive man that he cannot, even when people give him the, the choice on a plate, he can't take it. Still not an easy choice, but... But still... It was if, open to him. Exactly. If he really wanted it, he could mm. have taken it. He could have done something. What I hated there is that she was just wrong about the person. Exactly. And he called her such a lack of imagination. Yeah. Oh, she was right about everything. <laughs> and all guessing, she just guessed it, all of that. Yeah. Which is kind of masterful. Oh, yeah. And now you insult her imagination. She showed his ass. (laughs) She handled him. She handled him. Now, yeah, for me, the the best scene is the last scene when she announces her pregnancy. Me too. The way it was done. I felt... You you don't really feel in Newland Archer's place, because I don't really relate to him at all. He's he's such a dude in so many things. Very simple thinking. (laughs) Declared. Yeah. I'm not... I sound You're like not insulting man. No, no, no. Please, man, don't be insulted. She doesn't no. hate you. I absolutely do not. The thing is, you don't relate to him, but I really felt it. The oppression of that scene. My lord. The I oppression really, of oh, him. Yeah. And you can't do anything because... What did Scorsese call it again? The refined violence. The refined violence. That you cannot do anything against. And so this scares me. Do you think... Because he didn't really specify what he was referring to... 
when talking about refined violence, do you think he was referring to May's behavior? Or do you think um, that he was referring to the way the lovers were treated? No, I think he was referring to the society as an whole. Not May specifically? No, not, because May specifically, I don't think it's really her. Mm. When Newland Archer calls May an imaginative or without depth, or, you, you know, called blind... You called her without depth. <laughs> <laughs> did too. <laughs> or a blind fish. A blind fish. Yeah, that's horrible. I don't think it's right or it's not wrong either. Because May is a product of society and that's all she is. She is any depth she has or any power she has. It's related to the society she's in, to the way she's been raised. She doesn't have anything of her own, which is sad. And she might have, but she's been taught so rigorously to completely ignore it, to never show anything. That you don't see it and you might never, and even she will forget it with time. So I, I think, I don't think the refined violence is really maze. It's the whole society's. Yeah. It's that conspiracy that when you know about, you start seeing from the first. With uh, Mrs. Louise Alef- uh, van-, van der Leiden telling uh, Archer when he's sitting with uh, Mrs. Alenska. Yeah. She goes to fetch him. She does that, like, come on, dog. Yeah. She goes to fetch him. And then she, sa- she says, not very subtly now that we know about it. I didn't realize at first when I read it. It's so very kind of you to take care of dear, dear cousin Ellen. But you seemed so uh, desperate, she said? No, she said, like, I was, uh, she was going to send someone to rescue him. As yeah. if he needed to be rescued exactly. from Ellen and Lenska. She said, I had to send Henry to rescue you. And look how May looks lovely. D- did she ever look that lovely? Yeah. It was so subtle. So I think this is the, the violence he was talking about. I think that if you're not born in that world, mm. you'll never know how to fight, fight against. You'll be eaten. And I think this is why it is a Scorsese movie, because he was always interested in all his movies of this uh, these clans. And Edith Wharton herself talks a lot about clans, about mm. clan ideology somehow. Kind of, uh, it is an in-group thinking that you would not understand if you don't belong. Yeah. And thing, the strange thing is... Ellen seems not to belong, although, for me, what was always strange is that she came from there. How doesn't she understand basic stuff? Because the madness she was raised in. But still. Suppose uh, a man like Beaufort has a reputation. Oh, yeah. So she must be in there just for a few weeks. She would hear about his reputation. And she would not be receiving him in the evenings Mm. while living alone, just as a precaution. Absolutely. Because she doesn't seem to be wanting anything from him. She doesn't seem to be flirting with him, because she that would make her even more of a pariah, and she doesn't need that. Another example of uh, Ellen's strange behavior, to me, Mm. again, maybe I missed something. The rumors about the secretary were spread by someone, probably her husband, Mm. no? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so she must have known about the rumors. But the way she would herself bring up the secretary... Mm, I don't understand her, honestly. She is such a mystery in the way she acts, because you cannot really pinpoint why she does things. Mm. And that's her appeal. Maybe that is the charm. She seems helpless, but not really. Sorry, just uh, as a woman, I'm gonna ask you. This helpless act, every woman knows... It's appealing. ...that it has an, an effect. Yeah. You can... What did she say to Newland? I think their first meeting. She said, I only want to be cared for. And I think she said loved and cared for, something like that. Or protected and cared for. Yeah, she did say that, I talking think, about yeah, coming back to New York. Yeah. What woman doesn't know the appeal those words would have for... Maybe it's not obvious that his hope was romantic... But still, I guess any man, yeah, just from a sexual point of view, it would have an effect. And she is a woman in her in her thirties. She knows. I don't know. I oh, I find her very her behavior very very suspicious. 
confusing, I'd say. I wouldn't mm. say suspicious because it's mixed with the blunt honesty. Yeah, I think if she weren't honest, she would have been a hateful character. I think so. This is nearly her defining quality, how natural and honest and true she is she compared is to, everybody, to everybody. You wouldn't really expect any duplicity from that character. Right. So you don't really read anything into the stuff she does, or you find reasons to explain it, because it's Ellen. She's so honest and uh, natural. She would never have hidden thoughts or a hidden goal. You don't really feel she's the kind of woman who has a plan, and I'll, she's here I'll to I'll give it. you an example. Of one thing, I think we're gonna settle it. Okay. At the opera or the theater? No, sorry, the theater. After that silly scene uh, of with the man kissing the ribbon. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know why Scorsese filmed it in a way that the characters looked ridiculous, and then you go back to Newland and he's so moved. Exactly. He's almost and the actor, the work of the actor. It seems like he's so overwhelmed by the scene. Yeah. Just in that scene, you understand how romantic the man is. Yeah, because to anyone else, like. <laughs> Really? No, uh, of course, to modern people, yeah, it's silly. So we go back to Newland, and he's so moved and overwhelmed. And why did I tell? Oh yeah, and then he goes to the box where Ellen is. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I know. You know what I'm gonna yeah, talk yeah. about? I think yeah, this is this settles it for me. Yeah, because she keeps silent and she keeps her eyes down, and he goes to her. She doesn't doesn't look at him. Doesn't look at him. Nothing. And then out of nowhere, she says, "Do you think her lover sends her?" Yellow roses. Yeah. Now she didn't bring the roses. Never. She never brought them up because he would. He was sending them maybe twice, three times. I don't know how many times he know, sent yeah. roses, but he wouldn't sign. He wouldn't send every a card. time without a card. Yeah. Exactly. So, she wouldn't have known. And he thought. I think he's more innocent than her because he thought since there was no card, she didn't know it was him. So that's why yeah. she didn't talk about them. She knew. She well. knew. Didn't bring it up. Until she could make a link between lovers oh. and the yellow roses. Why did she make that link? Why would you go to a man yeah. and talk about, do you think, her lover... Okay, you know what? There is one strange thing okay. we're both doing. You think Ellen has a plan. I think she's taken. Not retaken, I, I'm not sure. I don't think she has a plan, that's all. Mm. But there is one possibility we neither of us ever considered. That she's just as smitten as him. Because it's yeah. Newland Archer. I know, exactly. <laughs> like, you understand Newland's reasons to be smitten with Michelle Pfeiffer and Conica. <laughs> but the other way around. You doesn't don't, work. You don't even consider it. Why? This is so strange. Okay, let's consider it. Because I think we considered it a bit in the book in the savior side of things. That he did socially save her ass. We did that, but she didn't know. But then when she discovers it, of course, it's going to have an effect on her. Yeah. Although he didn't do it alone. Yeah, but... He yeah. went with his mother. He was helped by the mm. Manson tribe. But it was his initi initiative. He initiated. And yeah, that was noble of him. But other than that, like, would she be smitten by him? Because from the book... And the movie. The movie confirms it. To me, she flirted with him from the first uh, minute. Again, I have a feeling that she didn't really target him in, a, in her, with her flirtations as much as being just like that. He didn't receive any special treatment, at first at least. Oh, come see me tomorrow at five is not a special treatment? Beaufort was seeing her too. Right. Actually, you know what? Maybe it's a story of things happening at the wrong time. Yeah? Because it's mentioned again and again by her... And then by him, and then by Catherine Mingott. Mm. You should have married her. Why didn't you marry her? She yeah. wasn't here to be married. Yeah. We used to play it when we were children. So maybe there is this idea of things happening at the wrong time. You know, sometimes two people perfect for each other would meet, 
and it would be just a bad time for one of them, or maybe both. And you see the missed opportunities of life. And I think, you know what, it, it reminds me, I'm gonna refer to uh, Mad Men again. Okay. Yeah. You remember the doctor, Faye? What? Oh. Blonde. blonde yeah. With Don. She was she absolutely was perfect. perfect, but he was not ready. It was the wrong Simple, time for It was uh, the wrong for time for, for them both, and mm -hmm. they would have been good together. But instead, he chose the secretary. But then again, for a man like Newland, mm. when was the right time for him? Before May at all, because he's not the type... As a romantic man, she would have been the woman for him, just from a good family, exactly as May, but with the extra appeal. You mean before her own marriage? Exactly. Uh, you mentioned that the way it's talked about in the movie, it really emphasizes the ho the horror of the marriage. Yeah, especially um, from the part uh, when the secretary, the secretary comes yeah. He says it with such feeling. Do not let her go back. Yeah, he says she must not go back yeah. to her husband. But and he was living in the house, right? He must know things, yeah. He, he was? Is, yeah, absolutely. He because was. he's a secretary particular, yeah. so yeah. he must have been... Either living in the house or spending a lot long of time, time. Uh, most of his time there. Intimate enough to know. Exactly. So I don't know why I go back because maybe this is the first horrible thing that can, can go on in marriage that comes to my mind. I keep going back to the violence, to physical violence. No, they said that she was kind of uh, shut in, that she wasn't free. Prisoner. But it's, yeah, she, yeah, they said she was practically his prisoner. Yeah. But at some point she said to Newland that maybe I've been too independent. Well, it's a contradiction. It's independent under his eye, maybe. What do you mean, under his eye? M independent in the... Under his eye! <laughs> <laughs> Blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit. <laughs> independent in the, in the settings he takes her to, so the, the, the outings he agrees to, or the society he must frequent and he tells oh. her to frequent with him. Maybe. And maybe it's a certain side of society that is not very refined or... Mm acceptable, maybe too rowdy or something. So I don't think it was that easy because the way they talk about it, they really emphasize it. I don't understand what it could have been. So do you I think it's know. a good idea to keep the mystery? Because uh, I don't think Scorsese could have added something because the mystery was kept in the book. Yeah. So it would have been... Very hard choice to make. To add something, some, some indication of what was happening there. But uh, it's really, I think, bothersome to not have given us at least one detail aside from taking up mistresses because that was... And the long lashes, which is horrible. <laughs> of course, so suspicious. How could she marry him in the first place? In the first place. Yeah, so that was, I think, lacking a bit. Uh, because we I always think... go back to this. What was happening? Yeah. And I think it adds to Ellen's, Ellen's character. I think it's part of her mystery that we don't know. We know she had experience. You but can I would feel say it. she's too mysterious. Oh, really? I like characters mm. like May that look like something, and then you discover that they're something else. They surprise you. That I love. Yeah. And there's character like, uh, characters like Newland that think they're something, but their actions uh, reveal someone else. Yeah, complete fool. But when someone like Ellen, when... Do you never meet these people she's many in life? People you but that just means cannot... you don't know them enough. Maybe we don't know Ellen enough. So the idea would be that Newland doesn't know her enough. Exactly, since we see her from his side, mm. and we only see the appeal and the fascination and the love, we can't really break the mystery, because he's not ready and he's not willing and he doesn't have what it takes to break it. I think he's not willing. I think so, And yeah. I think that gives another meaning to something that is taken like something utterly romantic, when he says to her, every time I see you, you happen to me all over again. Yeah. 
That could be like a nice thing to hear. Yeah. But I, actually, yeah. what is he saying? I don't see ever anything beyond the first. Yeah. The first. Uh, it's always a first impression. Yeah. Why can you know someone when it's always a first? When it's a succession yeah. of first impressions. Should have been an indication that it would never be successful. Even if they did break away, even if they did run away together, or she got a divorce and he didn't get married, whatever, it wouldn't have been successful because Newland wasn't ready. He wasn't mature enough, and I don't think he will ever be. He did the same thing with uh, May. He exactly. ignored her all always. Never tried to go beyond. But May is so much trained in not going beyond. Even her children don't tell her things. And I felt so sad. Because that's a fate that you wouldn't wish on anyone, that your children hide their own opinions from you. Just because as... they don't think you can take it. Exactly, because she was so conventional and blind to the end of her days. Yeah. When you consider uh, from the book, Newland's love for May, because he was head over heels for her yeah. in the book for May, before seeing Alan. Yeah. It was uh, short-lived, because short-lived. Alan comes in very... Very strong. But before that, he did consider her as his property. Yeah. And I think the genius of this work is that at the end... He got She it. was... No, the thing is, oh. I think her view of him was, was him as her property. And you know what? Which one is right? The end. She She was. was. Oh man, that is completely true. Because when you think about May, I always thought that her position is a very delicate one. How could you live with a man and keep ownership of him, knowing that he loves someone else? Because if your view of marriage is not a romantic one. Oh no, completely not. I think it was just... No, but when you see their courtship, it's very lovey-dovey. All of it is nearly scripted. The innocent kisses behind the ferns, yeah. and the the flowers, and the shy smiles, and the conversations. Everything, I think, is scripted from the first. Oh. It's something they see happen with their eldest, and their chaperones, and whatever. But in the end, if her view of marriage was that he would be her property, the fucked up thing is, <laughs> Newland never suspected. No, I don't think so. This is the kind of power we're talking about. I think women at that time, and I think biologically, maybe, I'm not sure about what I'm gonna say. Yeah. I think they play this this weakness, this vulnerability thing. Mm. So men never suspect who has oh. the true power. Uh, so I think the important things are theirs. Yeah, yeah, without being... Because, because they could end the social life, but really the life yeah. of someone. Completely. Let's say decide. a man as powerful as Beaufort. If Catherine Mingott, and let's say three or four matriarchs as her, yeah, they probably were, decided would just to decide save him. to save him or end him. Yeah, it would have happened. It would have been just socially, yeah, exactly. not financially, not taking out their own money from yeah. his bank. No, no, no. Just just socially. inviting him to some twice or, or something. disinviting him. Exactly. Let's say after his downfall, if Catherine Mingott took uh, the plea of his wife. Yeah. He would have been saved. People who maybe would have lent him money or invested back in his schemes or something. Yeah. It reminds me of something. Like, um, I read it somewhere in England that the right to dance the waltz for debutantes, mm-hmm. not everybody had it. Oh. You had to get permission to dance the waltz in, in the season. Yeah. And so there was Almax Club and the matroness of Almax Club. What's Almax? It's a club that I think one of the first that was that through soirees and everything, but wasn't completely. It wasn't a gentleman's club, and the matrons of Almex would give permissions to some debutantes following their their way of acting, 
And if they disapproved of young man, he would be dead. They oh. wouldn't dance with him or he would be socially really an outcast. So the power they hold, things are so intricately interwoven. Even now, the social power, how you are in society, how they see you in the social circles, plays in your financial life, plays in everything. Of course. That's why I like these subtleties, because it doesn't show you uh, women as... Eternal slaves. Yeah, powerless, no. uh, powerless. It was never mm. the case. Um, of course, women who were lower class worked and had children until they died. Still and the it case. Was still the case. And it was yeah. a hard life. Mm. And still a hard life. Still like, hard you, life. Yeah. you could... I don't know, if you would today go to a peasant in China, I don't know where. Yeah, yeah it would be a hard life for a woman or a man. But... Women in these higher classes, like the example of Eleanor Lanska making a bad marriage and getting mm. trampled. Exactly. As long as you stay in the certain conventions, mm. you can have a certain kind of power. Yeah, exactly. So we do agree on that. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts about the movie? I, I guess we got really outside of the movie into yeah. the ideas <laughs> of the movie and back Which to is, the book. I'm very happy about that. There is stuff to talk about. Oh, there's many stuff. And you know what? I think in the first, in the next one, also, there yeah. will be, uh, as I remember it. Oh, I hope so. I think so. Yeah, so it'll be still Edith Wharton, The House of mm. Mirth. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm.